I think self-control plays a big factor in letting social media and technology taking over your whole life. Like there comes a point when you have to put the phone down, put the gaming controller down and look up. I'm Jeff Stabler, and you're listening to Vantage, conversations about students, parents, and education in the light of God's Word. This is our third episode in the series, Students and Their Use of Technology. And on this episode, we'll ask the question, how can technology enhance our relationships with each other? We'll also discuss the connection between social media and anxiety. And finally, we'll think about how we can develop healthy patterns of entering and exiting the world of technology. So, thanks for joining us. Um, And one of the big things recently for me is uh, Fortnite. Fortnite has brought me so much closer to my friends. And you're smiling, you like Fortnite. (laughs) I like Fortnite, yes sir. I recently asked a group of students what was really good about technology. How does it enhance our relationships with each other? One of the things they said, Fortnite. So let me explain to you what Fortnite is really quick. It's a battle royale game where there's an island where 99 people are dropped onto the island and it's basically survival till the end. There's a storm that comes in and forces all of the people to be in the middle of that circle to where they have to fight. And there's weapons and bandages and stuff all placed along the island that you acquire and then you use to eliminate the other players. And it's to the death, basically. And there's ways to go solo, duos. You can do a three-man squad or a four-man squad. And the camaraderie that comes along with Fortnite it's four people, four of your, three of your best friends working together to reach one goal, and it's very cool. Now, you guys are kind of laughing, almost like tongue-in-cheek <laughs> here, but, but seriously, has that really in- enhanced your friendships with each other? Oh, m- 100%. most definitely, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and I play with people regularly that I had never talked to in my entire life, and I feel like I'm best friends with them now. There's something contagious in their enthusiasm for Fortnite, so I decided... I'm going to try this out. With the help of my 13-year-old son, I loaded the game on my iPad. I took on his username, just added a one at the end. And he got us set up for duo mode. In a few short minutes, I found myself riding into action on the battle bus with my son. Turns out, I'm terrible at Fortnite. I jumped off the bus at the wrong time. I landed in the wrong place. Then I couldn't figure out what I was doing or where I was going. My son kept looking at my screen, telling me what to do next. Go into that building. There's a chest, there's a chest. What's a chest? Dad, that's how you get stuff. Okay, how do I open the chest? Here, he snatches the iPad out of my hands and loads my character up with the loot from the chest. He hands my iPad back. Okay, stay there, I'm coming to you, then follow me. My son did his best, he got to me, we started running, but it was too late. The storm was upon us and we couldn't make it out. My son gave his life trying to help me all right, Dad, let's play one more time. What really surprised me about this whole experience was the relational dynamic. In that short exchange, my son got to teach me, to lead me even. And what really surprised me was how that relational dynamic carried over even after we were playing the game. Suddenly, I was talking to my son on a level that I hadn't before. 
And it's this relational dynamic that these junior boys were trying to communicate. And I mean, parents might, parents might think, why is my son playing this game so much? Or what's Fortnite? But really, I think it's not necessarily the game that we love. It's the interaction with one another. And just I agree with that. how much fun it is to be put in a situation where you have to work together. Otherwise, you're not going to succeed. And that's just really fun for me. And another thing that I think is really cool is like there's some people here at this school that I like rarely ever talk to and I'll find myself playing in a right. Fortnite game with them and it's like we're best friends. We've known each other our entire lives and I've never spoke a word to this man in person and I think that's really cool. Trust. Yeah. You have to trust oh, each yes. other. Oh, builds a lot of trust. It's yes. all based on trust. It should come as no surprise that new advances in technology afford new ways to enhance relationships. As Christians, we understand that technology is a good gift from a good God. The drive to develop technology is a consequence of humanity being made in His image. It's through the technology of writing that the Word of God is made known to us that we might have relationship with Him. So, is it possible that Snapchat could be a vehicle through which we deepen our relationships? Snapchat, I mean, like, you can talk to someone about, like, something... You know, like, you can pour your heart out to someone on text. But, like, I know it sounds, like, insane, but, like, you wouldn't come up to someone, like, just random and talk about it. (laughs) So you feel like you can be more transparent through Snapchat than you were if you were face-to-face with a person? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, or you can... It's pretty sad. It's awkward. Or you can at least, like, start the conversation on there and, like, continue it the next day. So that way you're not just, like, coming up to a person and be like, this just happened or something. As adults, we can be pretty skeptical here. Is it really a good idea to relate something personal to someone over a device? Does all this interaction through technology actually qualify as real relationship? To me, I would say it is real. I mean, it's people talking to people just through devices. So it's no less real than just having a normal conversation with someone. Well, it's a little bit different. There's something to say about person-to-person interaction. What's our takeaway here? Well, first, we must affirm that interactions through devices, whether it's Fortnite or Snapchat, are meaningful interactions, sometimes deeply meaningful. These are legitimate media through which we can enhance our relationships. However, both the boys and the girls struck a cautionary note. Notice they said there's something to be said for person-to-person interaction. Once again, as Christians, this should make sense to us. The biblical understanding of humanity is that we are embodied beings. We are designed to relate to the world, to each other, and ultimately to God through our bodies. Our deepest interactions happen face to face. This is how Adam and Eve related to God in the garden, and this is how humanity, constituted in Christ, will relate with God in the new Jerusalem. God himself will be with them as their God. In his second letter, the Apostle John says this, Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face-to-face so that our joy may be complete. I think you could hear a similar sentiment expressed by these students. Technology is a great way to start a conversation. But just as the Apostle John did not want to finish the conversation with paper and ink, these students realized that technology cannot replace face-to-face, person-to-person interaction. Well, why is that? It seems that when we aren't face-to-face, we can quickly forget that we are speaking to actual persons on the other side of the screen. And once we do that, bad things start to happen. It kind of takes away that that person's an actual human being. 
I mean, if you, I don't want to, I mean, it's not this extreme, but it's kind of, I mean, you can almost compare it to modern day slavery in a weird way. If you really think about it, if you're using somebody to get likes, retweets, and get a higher social status because you want people to think you're funny because you use somebody else's, because you decrease somebody else's value as a human being. Here we have a profound observation. Technology opens wide the door for us to commodify our fellow humanity to use each other for profit, whether that's a social profit or a monetary profit. And once we've entered into these types of arrangements, anxiety is sure to follow. I think that there's a lot of discussion about social media leading to anxiety. And um, I think if that's true, there might be a deeper issue because social media um, is a tool. Mm-hmm. that God created, and uh, it can be used for a lot of good, but it can also be used for bad. So if it is affecting you in uh, a bad way, I think there's deeper things you need to look at and uh, maybe take a break, If and then you can see if it, I mean, if you're still experiencing those issues, anxiety or feeling left out, then it really is a deeper issue. But I, I mean, talking about the issue on, like, cyberbullying, I mean... They, it's so hard for people to just turn it off because they know that, oh my gosh, what if people are still talking about me? What if this is still going on? But if I shut it off, then I just won't know about it. That doesn't help them at all. That's, that's one thing that I think people get very anxious about is if people are talking about them shutting it off, not being able to escape it, if that makes sense. Like it's all around them all the time. And if it's negative towards them, they're thinking, oh my gosh, everyone hates me and no one likes me. I'm all people can talk about. It's like people can think that. they That is a main source of anxiety. And that's a problem that needs to be fixed. He describes an experience common to many teens on social media, and it stems from how they inhabit this world. I tried to capture this in an interview with a senior student. Let me see if I, I can phrase this. Um, to me, it sounds like students kind of always inhabit the world of social media. Oh, oh, that's, yes, yes. And then sometimes they actually see it on their screens, but even when they turn away from the screen, they don't have this sense of leaving that realm. It's still kind of sitting there with them. Is that... Exactly. I mean, it, at this point, as much as I hate to admit it, it kind of seems foreign to be out and, and not and not see phones or, or not not be on Instagram or, or Facebook or Snapchat, Twitter, whatever, that seems like the natural at this point because I've seen it so much. I've probably been looking at Instagram and things like that for longer than I've spent out in nature. You know what I mean? So when I'm out in on a hike or something like that, that all seems new and foreign, but the social media kind of seems like comf- it's, it's almost like not home, but it's it's kind of where we kind of inhabit. I get I, I don't know. It is uh it is strange though. I've noticed that. Why does this seem strange? I would suggest that it's because by attempting to simultaneously inhabit two worlds, the physical world and the disembodied world of technology, students are working against their design as embodied people. And I'm using the word inhabit here in its fullest sense. Students are not merely entering and exiting the world of social media. They are attempting, usually without realizing it, to actually live in this disembodied world, and it just doesn't work. The result is a common phenomenon described by this student. Yeah, if I find myself 
getting on Instagram for too much because I've recently done this the past like month. Just I'll delete it or just delete the app, not my account or anything. Just delete the app so I'm not tempted to just scroll and click on it. I'll delete the app for like a few days, like usually around like two to three days, just so I get out of the habit of always clicking on it. Just slows me down a little bit. This practice of deleting social media apps is fairly common among teens. And his language here is significant. It just slows me down a bit. When students attempt to fully inhabit the world of technology, they cannot keep up psychologically. They are experiencing too many social connections at once, and trying to balance all of this is just exhausting. However, it's not just the social component that is exhausting. It's also the sheer volume of content. I like to take a break because there's just uh, there's so much information coming in in such a short amount of time. It's kind of like when you see uh, in colleges how they have like a free speech area, a free speech square, and there's all people of all different you know philosophies and religions out there uh, speaking what they want to say, and everybody kind of listens. It, it's so much talking at you at once. You never really have a break to sit down and kind of collect your thoughts on things, think through the rationality of what you just saw. It's it's just so much at once. It's it's overwhelming. It's too much to process. Do you think that's a uh, pretty common feeling that most teens have? I think that it's kind of a subconscious feeling that a lot of teens have. I, I think it's not in the forefront of your mind um, because when you do take a break or you're not on it for a while and, and it doesn't feel like there's so much stimulation in your head, you kind of realize how, how into it you were getting. Um, so for me at least, I think it's always back there and I'm always thinking about that. You know, it's... It, it makes it kind of gives you an anxiety, to a degree, um, but I think that whenever you're in the social media, you're so caught up into it, or the internet, you're constantly, constantly taking in information. You don't have time to sit there and think through everything that you're seeing. It's it's almost like um, I don't know if you've seen the movie uh, Clockwork Orange or anything like that, where they have the guy's eyes open and they're making him watch the big slideshow of stuff. It's kind of like that to a degree, but you're holding your own eyes open. Uh, there's no one forcing you to do that. But. Hmm. So as an adult, I, f- I find myself, the way that I think about social media is almost like going to the library or something like that mm-hmm. or going to a restaurant. So, you know, I'm not thinking about what's happening at whatever restaurant I'm going to go to. When I'm there, I'm in the restaurant. I notice what's going on. Mm-hmm. Then I leave the restaurant and it's kind of gone. That's my experience is that the way that students experience social media? Um, I think that with the older generation, I mean, how many how many people would you say you follow on Instagram? Um, well, I'm not really on Instagram very often. I, I don't even know. But probably probably less than 1,000, you think? Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. A lot of the kids my age and uh, around my group, they follow probably 1,000 or more people. So when they're, when they're on social media, they're just seeing tons tons of different things and oh and maybe 30 percent of those things so maybe maybe 300 300 out of the thousand posts that they see have something that's 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 stimulating to them you know it makes it makes them think for a second but they don't have time to fully go through that that thought process because they see something else and then after they put the phone down it, it kind of comes back because it's been circulating in your brain and um it's so much at once, you know what I mean? I, I don't know if you ha- they have time to, to process it, but they are thinking about it. 
but they're thinking about it all at once, and so no, no thought really gets completed. It just kind of bounces around in there. So far, we've seen two reasons why students attempt to live in rather than just visit the disembodied realm of social media and technology. The first is that they want to keep up with all the social interactions going on around them. You're probably familiar with the acronym FOMO, fear of missing out. This is certainly a real thing. If you exit the world, a lot will pass you by. And clearly, you can see the pathway to anxiety here. The second is that social media offers continual novelty. Here, our lives as adults start to intersect with those of teens. Technology promises to be the antidote to boredom. There's always something new on offer, whether it's the latest show on Netflix or simply the flood of information in our social media feeds. But as this student has observed, far from relieving our boredom, the continual novelty of technology has only served to diminish our capacity for enjoying the physical world in front of us. But there is a third reason that has to do with our experience as embodied creatures. Specifically, it has to do with what's going on in our brains. A recent 60 Minutes Overtime episode entitled Brain Hacking explores this issue. It should come as no surprise, but according to this report, app developers are working hard to create apps that attempt to keep us on our phones as long as possible. And app developers are increasingly turning to neuroscience to do just that. By wetting coding with neuroscience, these developers attempt to write code that will manipulate cortisol and dopamine levels in the brain. And by accessing these fight-or-flight and pleasure centers in our brains, they're able to build apps and games that compel us at the molecular level. Even if we don't fully appreciate how neurotransmitters work, we can understand the addictive nature of technology. Who among us has not had the experience of saying, why am I still looking at this? Even teens understand this. Back to our junior boys in Fortnite. I mean, there is something to be said. There is a limit of how much to play because at some point it does become a distraction if you let it because you can have a lot going on in a week and some people do this. They'll have schoolwork and priorities and they play video games. That's where, that's where it becomes an issue. That's where I can understand where parents need to come in and mm -hmm. see... My mom has set a new rule this week. I'm actually extremely upset about it. I have to be <laughs> off Fortnite at 10.30. He probably <laughs> knows about it. That's a good rule. Uh, yeah, I, it helps me a lot. I want to lean into his last statement there. It helps me a lot. His mother has understood something very basic. While entering the fantasy world of Fortnite opens avenues for joy and delight, creativity and competition, and yes, maybe even enhances relationships, Failure to exit that world is dangerous. So her son needs help in developing the habit of entering and exiting that world. This is perhaps something all of us need help with. We need help developing the habit of entering and exiting, of engaging and disengaging, of working and resting. This is true in all areas of life, but it's especially true when it comes to the realm of technology. In my interaction with students, I've seen what happens when they fail to establish these habits. I compare it to the 40-year-old who's let his job just eat him up. He's working way too many hours. He's not sleeping enough. He's not exercising. He's eating a lot of comfort food. Well, we can see where this is headed, can't we? As his blood pressure elevates, he's headed for some sort of event. Maybe it's short of a full-blown heart attack, but it gets his attention. And then he just tries to change everything at once. He's good for a few months, but then he's back at it. Not really a healthy way to live. I see something similar happening with students. 
Their nonstop interaction with technology elevates their anxiety until they just can't handle it anymore, and so they bail. They delete the apps. They run away for a few days, but soon, just like our 40-year-old, they're right back at it. How much better if they could develop the habit of entering and exiting, engaging and disengaging, just like breathing in and breathing out? How much better for us if we would develop these habits? Okay, what do I mean by this? What am I talking about when I say engaging and disengaging? Well, there are a lot of ways we could do that, but let me give you a few suggestions. First, think about creating a bedtime for devices. Allow some space between when your devices are put away and when you crawl into bed. Our brains need time to unwind, and a social media feed is the worst possible way to do this. We need time to think and to relate to each other face-to-face. Number two, think about the morning. Develop the habit of engaging the day before you engage with your devices. Allow your mind to wake up. Spend some time reading your Bible. Gain a proper perspective. Have a conversation. Number three, and this one's a little hard, curb your dependence on your phone by intentionally going somewhere without it. Take a walk. uh, Go to the store. uh, Maybe even sit on the front porch and have a conversation with a friend without your phone. Anything that helps you remember that you just don't have to have your phone to survive. Listen, if, if this prospect creates anxiety just thinking about it, well, what does that tell us about our dependence on our phones? And more to the point, have we unwittingly created this dependence in our children? Remember, our phones should be serving us, not the other way around. Finally, consider creating a day during the week where you simply set social media aside. Stay out of that realm altogether and rest. As Christians, it would make sense to make this part of our celebration of the Lord's Day. There are surely other habits you could create, but whatever this looks like in your home, we need to institute habits in our families that honor our design as embodied creatures and allow us to use technology to flourish in the real physical world instead of trying to escape from it. And when we experience a deep longing to escape from this world, as we surely will, We must not give in to the temptation to believe that technology will somehow satisfy that longing. Instead, we must allow it to serve as a signpost pointing us toward our true home in Christ. Well, that's it for this episode. Join us next time as we interview school faculty and parents to hear how they're navigating the world of technology in their families. Thanks for listening to our series, Students and Their Use of Technology. If you enjoyed this series, leave a review, and as always, feel free to share with others. To be notified when new episodes are released, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. If you would like more information about Lakeland Christian School, you can find us online at www.lcsonline.org, or you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. If you would like to contact us via email, you can at vantage at lakelandchristianschool.org. Thanks to our audio engineer and theme music composer, Jordan Burks. This is Jeff Stabler. Catch you next time on Vantage.